Hey, there you are. Here I am. Is everyone here? Come on over. Turn up the volume. Shush the people in the back. It's time for Everything's Relative, a podcast about DNA surprises, DNA discoveries, DNA shocks, all the kinds of DNA results that might flip a person's world upside down and inside out. I'm Eve Sturgis. I'm your host. I'm an NPE. That means I found out that one or more of my parents isn't biologically related to me. In my specific situation, it's my dad. That's the most common kind of NPE, but it doesn't have to be the dad. It can be the mom. It could be both parents. Basically, if you can or cannot imagine it, that is what we're talking about here at Everything's Relative. We drop a lot of acronyms around here. I'm an NPE. Others identify as DCP, that's for donor-conceived person. An LDA stands for late discovery adoption. BCF means birth certificate father. And WTF means what the... Just kidding. Uh, Before the the podcast launched, like when I was in the planning stages, I thought I knew what my life would be like and what it, I, I don't know how to explain it, but I imagined what it would be like to have a podcast. But I continue to be surprised by these like little treasures that have appeared in different ways and in all the ways that I didn't see coming. Some of those like I've talked about before about learning more about America and its people. I'm considering relationship dynamics all the time in a new way. I think about my own family and the concept of family in a new way. And of course, I'm talking to lots of people, which I did expect because that's the concept. Um, But I didn't expect to make real friends, like special friendships that would not exist any other way. And that is what I think of. I think of like this kind of unexpected development in my life when I think of Ivan, who is my guest today. I don't remember the exact sequence of events, but I think Ivan first reached out to me a long time ago, like in the early days of the podcast. And he said something super simple like, hey, great work. And maybe later he mentioned, because I responded and you know, said, hey, thanks. And he said, I work in broadcasting. I know how hard this is. You're doing really great. Something, something like along those lines. Um, and then he told me he was listening because he had a suspicion that his son wasn't his biological son. Ivan suspected that he was a BCF, a birth certificate father. And later he confirmed he's not my son. Uh, and anyway, over, every once in a while over the past few seasons, um, I just get like one or two notes from Ivan with like a small token of support. Um, I always look forward to hearing from him. And then finally, recently, Ivan said, Eve, I'm ready to tell my story. And then I had to reschedule him over and over again. But here we are, finally. Um, I'm not going to say any more. Ivan tells his story best. So here you go. I'll meet you on the other side. Thanks for being here. I'm Eve Sturgis, and this is Everything's Relative Podcast. Hey, Eve, can you hear me? 
Yes, I can hear you. Hi. So this is so cool because we we've been in touch for a long time. Yeah. You've kind of been um been a a, a podcast friend for this almost like my whole pot the whole time, I think. And um Yeah. Yeah. And then I asked I, I asked if you would come on a while ago and you didn't you weren't ready. You know what? I don't think it was the right time. I think it's like like if anything I've learned, it's like timing is like the Timing is the thing that makes a big difference, you know? It's like, oh, yeah. There's no other way I can explain it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. So, but it was just so, um, so I felt excited when you reached out again and said, like, hey, I think I'm, I think it's time. <laughs> I think it's time. It's time to, it's go time. Go time. Green light. Green light. Yeah. So, so I, I know just the tiniest, tiniest bit of, of, of your story and or why you find yourself like in our community. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm I'm in the center of it, you know? It's a weird thing. Yeah, you really are. So um, first of all, or I don't really know if I need to say first of all, but where are you? You're in San Diego? I'm in San Diego. I'm about maybe 150 miles south of you. Okay. And have you always been there or did you relocate? No, I'm from Texas. I'm from West Texas. So I've been in San Diego for about 20 years now. 20, oh, 22 years. 23, okay. 23. Let's say 23. Okay. 23 years. That's pretty solid though. That's a pretty, like you're I a San, so. San Diego resident. <laughs> so tell me, um, so yeah, you, how do you tell this story? You know what? I haven't really, the only person, I'll tell you this, I've only spoken to priests and therapists about this and my wife, obviously. Wow. And and actually now I've had the conversation with, with my family. Mm -hmm. So, um, and obviously the audience there is, is different each time. Right. Yeah. But, um, no, you know, I mean, like, first off, before anything else, like, I just wanted to say thank you. Like I wanted to oh. legitimately say thank you because, um, I know how much work it is. I know how hard it is. I know how, I can only imagine how difficult it is to bounce all these things. And then I felt kind of bad because I was saying, I was like, no, this is really important um, service, right? But I I kind of felt like, oh man, that's not fair. Like I'm putting pressure on, you know, somebody who's doing this as a labor of love and is helping so many people. But I need to say that because it, it is, you have no idea. Like I've been through this whole thing for, it's been about a dozen years since I've been dealing with this thing and um, with the situation, I should say. And I don't think anything has healed me as much as listening to other people's stories and conversations. Do you know what I mean? Wow. I'm so glad. I mean, I'm just so glad that you found it and that it's helping. That's just, that, yeah. war that warms my heart so much. And it's been, um, it's been rewarding and these conversations are really, really why I do it. And you're right. Everything else is pretty hard, <laughs> yeah. but it's, but it's when I get to connect with people that, um, that I just, I feel really good right now. It feels really good. Um, That's good. Yeah. So, yeah, I found out through, I actually found out about your podcast through uh, a mutual friend. I mean, I consider him a friend, even though I don't really know him as a uh, dick. Oh yeah. 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 Sure. That's, how, that's actually how I found out. Cause he was, he's a guy who is like a mediator on one of these Facebook groups. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. he's the per he's like the gatekeeper who let me in. And then he first posted about his story. And I said, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know there was, because I listened to a lot of podcasts. I was like, I don't, I didn't know there was a podcast on MPs. And and there was like that was like the rabbit hole that I went down. And it's kind of crazy experiencing. Like for 
I just say like, this is crazy, right? This whole mm -hmm. thing is crazy. Mm -hmm. Like there's no, I don't think anybody can prepare you for like the scope of the things that you, that you come across, you know, as, and I'm not even an MPE, but I'm like MPE adjacent. Right. 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 And even then, like, I just touch all these different things and I go, wow, man, look at that. That's, that's something I, I mean, you don't really think of it until, until you see these things kind of like unfold or you're like, oh, wow. I never imagined that that situation would happen, you know? And then also, if anything, it's actually changed my consciousness about things where I think I'm like, nothing phases me. I don't think anymore when I hear somebody's stories, you know what I mean? And I'm sure as a therapist, you probably go through that all the time as a therapist. Yes and no. Yes and no. Like, like I, it's, 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 I guess it's, it's like a, it's a, it's a pair. I don't know. It's not a paradox. That's not the word I want, but it's like a, it's, but both are true. Like, I feel like this experience having my own experience, but mostly the podcast experience has like opened my eyes to just the extent of unfathomable events, you know, that are happening in people's lives are like unfathomable layers to people. And you don't know what you don't know, but it is like infinite, you guys. <laughs> and um, literally, so yeah, so like continuing to be amazed and surprised, and you know, truth is stranger than fiction, like all of that is true. And there are themes that have I've become accustomed to, and um. And it's that kind of the same as a therapist. Like, I feel like I've like heard everything or I have an unbiased, you know, I can be a sounding board or, and then, and then something, something will come up that just get, you know, that just gets me. Like you just, possibilities are endless. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know how I tell the story. Um, what I was going to say is I am the birth certificate father to an NPE, and I am also a newly discovered brother to an NPE. And I was, just to give you some context, I think it's important, not because I want to go deep, deep, deep into it, but I am um, the youngest of five. The closest sibling I have is like 15 years older. Oh. And, yeah, and then. You are a surprise baby. I was very much a surprise baby. Um, but if you listen to my mom, it's because God had a plan, right? Right. Um, <laughs> but um, I loved that plan. Thanks, God. Right. You brought us. Thank Ivan. you. I'm here. I'm here. I made it. Um, and uh, you know, a single mother. My oldest, who is my um, my my son, but he's not my biological son. Um, he was born when I had just turned 19. So I was leaving high school. I was actually was in college. I was just setting up in college, literally. I was like two weeks into college. And uh, what had happened was I got, I had, I had dated his mom for a couple of years in the first years of high school. And then as we were leaving, you know, um, we decided to just hang out. And I went away to college and, oh, and I mean, she'd had a boyfriend before and after and, you know, and um, I went away to college and I was there for about a week or two. And all of a sudden I got a, I remember, you know, it's funny back in the 
mid nineties. I don't know if it was a letter or a phone call or, mm-hmm. and uh, it said, you have a, uh, I'm pregnant. You have a son on the way and you need to move back. You need to come back. And so I was like, wait up. How is this possible? This isn't even possible. It's like, this doesn't make sense. But being that I was a son to a single mom and I had a dad who was um, very much absent, uh, mm-hmm. very much disappeared, very much not in the picture, very much all the things that I worked hard my life to not be, right? I said to myself, well, she's telling me this. Uh, I'm not going to doubt it. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to question her on it. Why would she say that to me? And it felt really strange to ask for a paternity test. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, I just said, that doesn't feel right. You know, like she's obviously um, coming to me because this is what it is. Because you have faith in people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's right? unfathomable. Like it wouldn't even occur to the me. The alternative. Thinks, right. The thief thinks everyone's a thief. Right. Um, and so I was like, okay. And I kind of, my new life that was starting, I kind of packed it up and said, okay, let's make a U-turn. And um, when the semester was done, uh, by the time the semester was done, about a week or two later, um, my son was born. And Oh, wow. Uh, so she didn't tell you until well on his way. Well, and I think it was by design. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, like, uh, <laughs> more, the more time mm-hmm. passes, the more I realize it was like, there was definitely a plan here. Mm-hmm, and there was mm-hmm. definitely, uh, I feel like a, I was definitely like in, in the con game, like that I'm the mark, right? It's right, kind of what it right. what I realized later. I went, oh wow. Um oh sucker. Yeah, yes, well, sucker. This nice um, guy. Um, yeah, this nice guy was only 19. Did you do you remember uh like telling your mom? Yeah, I did. I did. And I it was crazy because you know, my mom uh, you know, she just turned 91. So back then she was, I'm gonna say, she was like 63, right? Mm-hmm. And she's the only person who did not make me feel bad. Oh, yeah. Like everybody was like, oh man, what are you doing? You're ruining your life. You're just starting, you know, all these different things. And it's like, and obviously it's coming from young people for the most part, maybe an adult or two would just kind of give you a sigh or like, oh, you know, cause they kind of know the difficulty. I don't think it's a judgment thing looking back on it. I think it's just like, they know how difficult it is to raise a child, especially when you're a child yourself. Right. You don't have the tools, right? Yeah, my mom didn't make me feel bad. She just said, well, I'm here for you. I'm here for what you need. And a child is a gift from God. That child needs to be loved. And, you know, so there was, there was never a moment. Um, it is funny, though, when he was born, my mom went to go see him in the hospital. And back in those days, like, it feels so ancient, right? Mm-hmm. They used to put the babies in like the like a like a massive room yeah and they would cart the little cart up right and you have like Mm -hmm. the last name or whatever totally used to be able to go look at it like at the hospital be like oh let's go see the baby room (laughs) you could go look through the window at all the babies yeah right and when she saw him she said uh that doesn't look like you that's not your baby like literally she just like low-key said it i don't think she even realized she said it and i went i was like what and then uh i was like okay and Time goes on and time goes on, you know, like, and I remember I was going, I was going to a friend's, like, there was a pizza party at like a pizza place six months later. And I was talking to this guy and we were in theater together. I don't know if you know this, but theater people tend to be a little bit dramatic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've heard. Yeah. And he says, uh, so I heard you're raising a kid that isn't yours. (gasps) 
like just flat out. What? And I was like, I was like, what is what is with this guy? This guy's really catty, you know? Like, what's going on with this guy? Like, why, why? I don't get this. So time goes on, and I thought, no, these are just like gossip people, you know? Because I don't know if you know this, but theater people kind of gossip. Yeah, totally. I don't know if you heard this, right? Yeah, I know this. If I would have listened to, if I would have believed every rumor about everybody, right. you know, so I was like, I brush it off. Were you now in a relationship with the, with this girl or just being like a by parent? Default, okay. No, by default, I was like, okay, so I guess we're doing this and I'm not going to be in a situation. First off, I'm not going to be, you know, looking back on it now, I realized a couple of things. Number one, I did not trust, I didn't trust that this child was going to be well taken care of. Mm-hmm. I'll put it to you that way. You know, it's like, there was just like an innate sense of like, this kid, he needs somebody to look after him. Like, I can't, I can't not be there for him. Something tells me I need to be there for him, you know? Um, and it's not like a, it's not like a martyr mentality. It's our savior mentality. I think more than anything else, it was like, I don't, you know, what's funny is I can't imagine my life without him. Mm-hmm. Like it was paternal. <laughs> you had a paternal protective intuition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and like my life is so much better now, like in mm-hmm. this very moment, but I can't be upset about all this stuff. I just can't. I mean, I allow myself to feel frustration sometimes, but that doesn't even happen as much anymore. You know, my, my mentality is really shifted. Um, so yeah, so I came back, um, started, you know, started a relationship back up and, you know, I was going to college. I, I used to work as a reporter. So I was working as a reporter at the paper, but I was also as a copywriter at the TV station. And I was also working at a hotel uh, overnight um, just because, you know, money was really tight. And uh, that went on for a couple of years. And about three years in, um, the mother of, uh, of my son says, you know, this is really ridiculous that you haven't married me and we're going through this and how embarrassing it would be for a three-year-old, maybe even a four-year-old to, if they ask them to say like, oh yeah, my parents aren't married. Oh. And yeah. And so it was like. <laughs> I, did, I guess I never thought about it that way. I guess it might, yeah. be, it might be embarrassing for them. It might. I don't know. I never, I don't, I don't think those conversations happen to be honest yeah. with you. I don't, I'm not sure three and four-year-olds have embarrassment. Right. <laughs> like, they're, especially. They're pre-K. Especially about like social, the social constructs of, well, whatever, whatever. You, we get it. Right. Yeah. They're like, hey, did you hear that Ryan's parents got married through a civil Yeah, ceremony? totally. Right? Like, they're all like at the preschool level, just like, right. they live together, right. but they're not married. <laughs> right. That's the typical, mm-hmm. like, what are you having for lunch, PB&J? Did mm. you hear that Ryan's yeah. parents were at the Elks Lodge? That's where they got married. It was so oh, tacky, right? Not, no. not even at not even at a church, right? Exactly. Yeah. Not even a proper church. Um, and so, you know, and I said to her, I was like, "Look, I don't want to make a mistake where, you know, we take a tough situation. Like we're, we're, I was like, we're still like kids. Like we're still finding our way, and this is working out okay. Like we're finding our way through it because I think like something in me was like, oh, something's not right, man. You know." Um, eventually I, I acquiesced like, you know, four years in and I didn't think anything of it. You know, it's like, okay, I was, uh, I was a working dad essentially. And, 
this parent was absent. It was the strangest thing because I just saw it happen more and more and more. And then I realized I started to see the patterns, like the same kinds of things that she would tell me. She was like a, she had a lot of issues. Looking back on it now, when you look back as an adult, you know, and I, story isn't about her. I don't really want to make it about her. So that, you know, that went on for a number of years. And then. So she was, so, so, I mean, I think, I think this is clear yeah. now, but, but when you said like a parent was becoming absent, it was that she was becoming, she was becoming less and le less and less present. Absolutely. And you were becoming more and more of like a working dad that was working and raising your son. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, by this time uh, there was two sons. So he has a younger uh, brother. Uh, he's about six years older than him. So uh, this was a couple of years into uh, into marriage that my second son was born. And, um, you know, probably about, uh, he's about seven or eight years old. When um, one day I got home and everything was gone. <gasps> everything in the house was gone. No. Everything in the house was gone. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Was she in drama club? What? That is so Seriously, dramatic. man. Woo. Honestly, right? No. And then the funny thing is like she moved like two doors down. It's the craziest thing. She emptied the checking account and moved two doors down. It's the weirdest thing. That lasted about a month. And it was an ugly divorce, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Took like a year or two. And, you know, these poor kids, they just suffered a lot. They went through a lot, a lot of difficulty. I'm navigating, finding a way to uh, keep things together. And as the time's coming for my oldest son to graduate, like it's always just sitting in the back of my head. Like I think it was sitting in the back of my head since day one, since my mom said that does that be doesn't look like you. So you 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 split up and then was custody like 50-50? Yeah, custody was 50-50. So you stayed very you stayed very present as a as a dad, but there was a 50-50 split. Um, but you were still around and okay. Yeah, you know, if anything, like my oldest son was trying to just go with me because mm -hmm. there was, you know, they had a, was just, when you have volatility, volatility will find its way to every thing, you know, from where are we living to what are we eating, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's the kind of things that I would hear about. So it was like, mm -hmm. I needed to find, I needed to create stability. I just want to make sure there was yeah. stability there. So anyway, so number of years pass and it is getting closer to graduation. I keep thinking to myself, like, I, you know, I'm back. This is before ancestry. This mm -hmm, is like 12 mm -hmm. years ago, right? Mm -hmm. And it seems like a different world. They have like these like um, DNA kits that you would pick up at like Dwayne Reed or CBS or whatever, right? And so I was like, how am I going to do this? If I do a DNA test on them, I can't tell them, you know? So like, I don't, I don't lie to him, but I, I flat out lied to him. I said, uh, we change insurance and they need to have a cotton swab of us to do something or other. And he went, okay. And I, swapped and then it was done and then he went away to college and so he's away in college and because i i told myself it's like i'm not going to find out i don't want to know anything until he's at least in college at least he's, until he's at least 18 i've done my my most basic rudimentary uh, commitment right because i want to make sure that if i find out something i don't want to find out i'm not face to face with them i can actually have some time to think about things and process and um and I'm glad I did, um, because it, it, when I got the the news, it wasn't it wasn't new, but it still kind of like reverberated. It mm -hmm. kind of like um, it kind of opened the doors. Every single door from the past just kind of opened up, and it took me took me a while to even process that. And I would go to priests 
and they would all say, this is unfortunate, but he's your son and nothing changes and don't tell him. And I would hmm. go to therapists and some therapists would say, don't tell him anything, you know, and some would say, you've got to tell him. Right. So hmm. that was like the big question, like what, what and how and, and do I, you know? Yeah. And uh, especially because like after having gone through something so difficult, you know, and I can't even imagine as a child going through an ugly divorce, all the different feelings that it has, especially like, like I'm super sensitive when it comes to child development and, you know, like nurturing because it was so important to me. Like I'm, I'm really lucky in that I had a, a really strong foundation in terms of my mom. Uh, but there was always like, there's always issues when you have like an absent parent that you can't ignore, like no matter how great something is. Like, I think as a human, I just needed to um, ask myself questions and, you know, analyze what's important. So anyway, long way of saying that um, I did not know what the right time was. I was afraid I was going to send him into orbit. I was like, he's not, he's off in New York. He's figuring out his life. Mm -hmm. This is his window and I'm going to send him off into orbit. It's going to be, you know, that scene in 2001 where the dude just floats out into space, right? That's what I imagined. And had you talked, and you, you had, you talked with your ex-wife at this point about it? I mean, you wouldn't have need, I, I'm not sure that you, that I would have thought you needed to at all. Just curious. Okay. No, we, we weren't even really on speaking terms, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, so um, years pass, I'm going to, I go to therapy for years to just deal with this. I'm going to a different therapist because nobody Nobody is like prepared for this, especially like back then. Mm -hmm. People aren't talking about this stuff. It's just, it's not on the radar. And therapists are like, what are you talking about? Like the only time I've ever dealt with that stuff is, uh, you know, adoptive parents or something. And, um, and there's just no clear answer. Like nobody can give me a clear answer as to like, if I tell him, how is I going to, um, what are the risks, right? Mm -hmm. What are the benefit versus the risks? And I don't think anybody can do that, you know? Um, but the takeaway I, I got from, you know, after all these years of all this stuff was like, even if it was a not ideal situation, even if it's a difficult conversation, I think everyone deserves to know their truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's like the bottom line. Um, I don't know when the timing is. I'm sure the timing is different for everybody. And I'm sure, you know, as a birth certificate father, you know, like I was excited about having this conversation because I, Imagine there's a lot of people uh, who have gone through similar things or are going through similar things, especially because these things become more prevalent. These these tests are just like they're going to hand them out as party gifts. You know, I mean, that's how they are. They're so commonly found, you know. Yeah. And I was just thinking also when you said when you said, you know, you decided that or you came to the conclusion that everybody deserves or truth. So yes, like I agree with you. And I don't know if that's a, a if that's a, a moral value or a philosoph you know, a, a philosophical concept, but it almost doesn't matter because the truth is going to come anyway. It almost doesn't, you know, it's almost like, sure. I would love for everyone to come to, to that higher understanding. However, <laughs> it doesn't right. matter. Like a, it just, People need to understand it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. And it's it's not ever an easy conversation. You know, yeah. I can't imagine it's ever an easy conversation. But it, you know, it needs to happen, it needs to take mm -hmm. place. And like 
it's it's crazy because it this whole situation has really kind of changed my mind around. I used to be, I used, you know, being having an absent father, there was always questions I had about like, oh, am I getting this from my dad? Or was my dad like this? You know, because I never I never knew mm-hmm, him. I never mm-hmm. met him, you know. Right. Um, and so it was a lot of those questions. And I'm imagining an MPE goes through now, except right. that I was having these conversations when I was like four and five, right? right Internal. Right, right. I could have sworn, um, I used to think that like nurture was just as important. And when I think about it now, it's like, I think it's like 80% nature. Wow. It's crazy, especially because when I- A high number. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a scientist. (laughs) Don't, don't take that number as a, as a, as a fact. Ivan said, you guys, Ivan said, you heard it here first, 80%. 80% 80% with an asterisk at the top mm-hmm. right. And then you yeah. look down and it says, according to Ivan, that's the right. source, right? Okay. Um, we'll make sure that that note is there. That's it. Um, and uh, yeah, because like the strangest things, like obviously, you know, my son doesn't look like me. Um, he talks differently. He has like a different speed and pace, the way his words come out. And I, uh, my wife and I, um, when we talk about this stuff, she said, well, have you ever seen his dad? And I said, well, I think I know who his dad was. So we found his dad and I watched a video of his dad, uh, of his biological dad. Mm-hmm. And the way he talked, I said, oh my God, that's my son's voice. I said, mm-hmm. that's exactly how my son talks. That's the strangest thing. And it's just like mannerisms and all these things that there's no way my son could have picked those things up. They were just like ingrained in them. And especially wow. as you find out more about DNA, you go, wow, so there's generational trauma. There's all these things that are carried over in DNA that we're barely finding out about, right? And so, yeah, you're right. It is a philosophical question. It is a moral question. As everyone, everyone deserves to know their truth. But at the same time, it's like, uh, this thing is way deeper than anyone mm-hmm. even realizes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when you when you think about even the moment that somebody is conceived, right? Like that was one of the conversations that I had uh, with my son because I, I wrote this letter to him. Every therapist would say the same thing, write a letter, write a letter, write a letter. So I said, okay, well, this is one thing they'll agree on. So I wrote this letter like 30 times, you know, like I rewrote it and rewrote it. And I was very sensitive about um, stressing to him that he was the product of a relationship, you know, that he was not, um, you know, it was not something in a, it was not a bad situation. It was not something that was in any way um, negative. You know, mm-hmm. people have relationships. Some people have one day relationships Some people have. Right. So um, because I was, I was thinking about that. I was like, I think when you question who you are as a person and you're like further along in the game, let's say you're 20 or 22 or 30, whatever, I, I, I mean, at least for me, I would think like, um, what what are the what was the situation that surrounded this? You know, like mm-hmm. what was going on? What was happening? What was what was happening in my my father's mind or in his you know his consciousness and my mother as well? You know, was I born of a time of stress? Was I born all these things? Right. I, yeah, nature. I think it sometimes gets boiled down to people sort of saying like, was I a mistake? Or did, you know, did I, was I not supposed to be here or, right? Right. That's so crazy. Cause I mean, people have used that, 
the verbiage for so many years that you don't think about it. Mm-hmm. But I think when you're anywhere near that scenario, that situation, at least for me, I become really sensitive about that stuff mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I think like nobody ever wants to think they're a mistake. Nobody ever wants to think that they just kind of like, you know, they cheated the system that somehow exist. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but man, and you've got me thinking so much about what are we, why, what is that? What is that about the importance of conception, like the intention behind conception becomes really important. And and when did that happen? When did that happen? Right. When did that become a part of the, the morality paradigm? Right. Yeah. It's, I'm telling you, it's, it's really heavy. It's really heavy. If you go, if you go past the emotional part of it and like, I feel ridiculous saying that because I'm not an MP. I'm talking to a community of MPs and I'm I'm not an expert in it. I'm not. But as a birth certificate father, like I've, I've had to really kind of, I'm outside of myself enough that I can pick up on different stories and I can heal a little bit, you know? So like I said, this community has really helped me heal when I listen to the stories about people. Um, and some are positive, you know, and some are very challenging. And the positive ones are inspiring. You know, if anything, I remember there was there was one episode you had where it was a father and son. Mm-hmm. And I think they were from Texas. And one of them was like a, I don't know if it was like a barbecue. Yeah, Jason and Miguel. Right. <laughs> Jason and Miguel, season two, best episode. Season yeah. two, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and it's funny, I actually told my son to listen to that episode um, uh, later on. I did tell mm-hmm. him, I was like, you should listen to this. Um, so... Um, when the time came to tell my son, he was, it was last year. So I found out this information in 2012, 2013, and I held on to it all this time. And, um, and this and whole time writing, not, writing and rewriting this letter. Right. Exactly. Oh. Exactly. This, this exact letter, 50,000 different ways, you know, and reading it to my wife and saying, how does this feel to you? How does this sound? You know, what does it make ha- you think? And, when did you meet your what your wife? Uh, I met my wife in two thousand and eight, so about fifteen years ago. Okay, so he was young, so she's been a part of his yeah. life for a long time as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. For mm-hmm. for both my older boys, like my mm-hmm. uh, his younger brother, actually considers my wife. She says to him, "Like you're my mom. Like you have no mm-hmm. idea how much um, you have no idea how much you mean to me. Like you're my mom." You know, Great. Okay. Um, yeah, she's she's a she's a fantastic person. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So she's been a part. She's been a part of this like sort of narrative and journey with you this you this whole time. So when she got hurt, because she was like, "I'm going to do my ancestry results." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, "Are you sure?" And then hers came back, and I swear to God, she was like, "Mine is so boring." Yeah, mine is just like straight <laughs> lines. Nothing here. Nothing. Mm-hmm. There's no questionable cousins. You know what I mean? Yep. There's no last names I don't understand. I know all these people, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I think that's like the ideal, right? Right. When, quality. We call that a quality problem. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> it's it's just too darn good, right? You just guess you have to focus on yourself because you can't focus on your family. Sorry. Everything is pretty hunky-dory, yeah. right? <laughs> it's funny because I would read the letter to her and she would say, have you tried saying this? And I'd say, no, no, no. I heard somebody else on the podcast say, I never want to hear that again. And so I'm very sensitive about not using those words. Okay, well, what about this? It's like, no, 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 no. We can't say that because this is going to make him think this, this, this. Okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. I see that. So it's almost like 
let's say you're building like a manual, you know, it's like, if I say this, then what can he possibly think? And how can I make sure that I'm steering him this way so that he doesn't? And then you realize like you have no control over how somebody's going to think. Like, this is like, right. those are like remnants of my control issue. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, like I, I can't control it. So um, when the time came last year, after the pandemic, after everything, he came back home. He was away in college and he was, he was away. And he said, I'm coming back. And I felt like this like surge of like nervousness. Like, oh no, I'm going to have to deal with this now. Like I really, there's, now I'm going to have to deal with the face-to-face. Now I'm going to have to think about how and when and why and all these things. And um, when I when I sat down with him, I said, you know, would you like to meet me? I just want to talk to you. And we met at a park. I took two beers. <laughs> that was it. You know, I was like, and I said, here, we're going to sit down. We're going to, we're just going to talk. And when I talked to him and I explained things, uh, the first thing he said was, now everything makes sense. Hmm. And I went, what are you talking about? He said, I knew something. I knew something was different. I, I know now I know I'm not crazy. He said, um, and it was really heartbreaking. Yeah. Cause you're like, all this time, you haven't said anything. You've been feeling all these things. You never said anything. Because, of course, how can you? Like, you can't pinpoint it, you know? It's like, how can you even... I don't think you... When you're in a situation like that, how can you even question that, you know? It's like, it doesn't even cross your mind, you know? Why would, yeah, why would it? Why would it, you know? And he took a lot of time to think about it and to reflect. And uh, he's still dealing with it. He's still processing it. You know, I don't, I don't know what that timeline looks like. I don't, you know, I'm there for him. We talk all the time. Like for me, nothing has really changed. If anything, it's actually, I think it's made my relationship with him stronger because it's kind of torn away all the artifice and all like the situational stuff, you know, where it's just how grateful I am for this young man. And it's funny because if it wouldn't have been for him, I I would not have met my wife. He's, he's, he's a really special young man. And, you know, his younger brother is also dealing with this stuff. And we're all just kind of having ongoing conversations. You know, like we were just back in uh, Texas for uh, my mother's birthday. And so all three of us went, you know, the boys, right? We were like, the, bo- the boys are going to Texas, right? Boys trip. Mm-hmm. Boys trip. Yeah, we went to like Ross. That was like the extent <laughs> of like a boys trip, you know? <laughs> Went to go find nice belts, you know. Whoa! Whoa. I know, right? Slow Um, down. Slow down, right? Um, And I mean, it was just like an ongoing conversation. Like each time, it gets a little bit deeper. And obviously, you're gonna touch emotions and feelings, and that's not ever easy. But like, it's easier now, you know. I think. I mean, for me, it is. I can't even imagine. There's so much more ground to cover for him, right? And you know, maybe he maybe he doesn't want to. It's interesting because when you hear, like sometimes for whatever reason, uh, men don't want to go that deeply into it. I don't know why. You know, like I asked him, asked my son, you know, would you like to ever meet your biological father? You know, and he says, no, I don't ever want to meet him. You know, I I don't feel like I ever had an absent father. I'd never feel like, I don't feel like I missed anything. So to me, this guy's just a stranger and I don't, I don't really have anything in common with him. And so I said, look, um, I said, I appreciate that. And I appreciate 
uh, that you're being honest with me and that you tell me how you feel. I said, but I want you to know if you ever change your mind, like I will never feel bad. I won't ever feel bad for you wanting to know more about yourself and about your history. And if you ever want to form a relationship, I would never feel left out. I'm, I need to tell you that like your life is your life and you're going to, I'm here for you. Like whatever that means, you know, and, and thus far, like he, he doesn't want to, but you never know, you know, time changes people and your perspective changes as you get older, you know, and if the day, if the day comes and that's his story, you know, that's his story to tell. I, I don't know. I don't know this guy. I met him at a time, you know, once I met him once or twice. Yeah. Like 30 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> like who, the heck, who knows who he is, who he is today. Who, who knows who he is now? I don't, right. you know what I mean? So then that's going on. And as I'm going through ancestry and I tell my younger son, I was like, do you want to get an ancestry kit just for the heck of it? You know, just so you know, and he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, look, bottom line, find a cousin or something or whatever. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what you're going to find. I said, I have no guarantees at all. I cannot guarantee you anything. It is really interesting to think about. I just have never thought about what like a sibling within a triad of that situation might be going through. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. It, like, it's really interesting. I, I, yeah, it's it's funny without him here. I, I want to put like words or thoughts into his mind. I don't, I can't say what he was thinking, but yeah, to realize that not so much the half sibling, but just that the trajectory of your family's relationship and then divorce and everything that came after it was sort of based on, on these things might, might really overwhelm a person. Right. With concepts. Yeah, especially because you're forming yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, because he's a little bit younger, too. Maybe you'll find out more about your lineage at its most uh, basic. I was like, but I really can't. I can't guarantee anything about anything because I don't know. I thought I knew how the world worked. I thought I knew what my life was about. I've come to find out that's not true, right? Like Things are different. Things are different, and I was oblivious to what the reality is, right? I was on the scaffolding of a lie. Right. When the building of truth, I don't know, this metaphor, I don't know if it's working. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so, um, so he takes the test and we're going through the results and, um, you know, there's no real surprises, you know, uh, and you are his father. I'm his father. I'm both their fathers. So I'm, I'm meeting up, you know, I have an absent father, so I'm expecting to run into uh, a bunch of people I don't know on these different DNA sites. And I, I am my father's son, you know, so that's true. Um, and all these cousins are spread all around and I'm getting all these like, first and second cousins and I'm, they all have my dad's last name. Maybe a couple of them don't, some are women. So maybe they got married and they changed their last name, all these things. And I'm talking to a cousin who says, I know about you. Your mom is my uncle's second wife is the way she put it. And I was like, okay. She's like, yeah, we knew about your mom. We knew about the family. We knew he was in a long-term relationship with her. Um, but we don't really talk to that side of the family. All these things all these things that are like, I'm like, what are you preparing me for? What's going on? Right. What are you talking about? What's going on here? Why are you telling me this? Um, so she's telling me all these things. And she says, do you know this that cousin that shows up on your page? And her name is this. And I said, oh, yeah, I, I know her. I, I saw her. She's on my list. She's got the second highest DNA match. And she says, yeah, that's not your first cousin, that's your half sister. 
And it wasn't like, she wasn't like preparing me for it. She just like let it out. Right. Obviously we're cut from different cloth, you know, right, like there right. wasn't like, how do you feel about, you know, there was no, how do you feel? She didn't write the letter 30 times. No, no. She like used a, like a, uh, what are those called? She used like a spray can, you right. know? Yeah. Or just like a sledgehammer. <laughs> yeah. And about a month later, I got a message from this new half sister. And she says, oh, hi, I know things are strange, things are weird, but I just wanted to get some more information. I don't know my dad, but I, I've heard this from my mom about him, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay. And nothing sounds weird. That's like, mm -hmm. oh, he has Spanish roots. I'm like, yes, this, this <laughs> you know? Uh, oh, uh, we had a grandfather who had red hair. It's like, okay, I, I don't know. I don't have any pictures of grandfathers. And I saw so his message, I said, so I think the common person that we have is this person. Do you have anybody with that last name in your family? Because I'm trying to, I'm trying to like get her to realize like that's a, you're in a different situation. You don't realize the situation you're in, right? Because she keeps saying this guy's name, this other guy's name. She's like, my dad was this guy, my dad was this guy. And I'm like, that's not your dad. Oh, she thinks you're the son of a different person. She thinks we're both the child. She thinks she's the daughter of a different person. And that exactly, and that I am possibly the son of that same person. Oh, my stomach just like turned inside out for everybody. Well, well, and it gets crazier because we're eleven months apart, and where I told you earlier, I was working at a hotel. I had to work. I worked at a hotel. I also worked like at a like at a Kmart when I was a college student, and she lived on the same street who was on the rival tennis team from my school. So her schools are like three miles apart. Wow. And it's the weirdest thing because I'm, I, I'm talking to her and I said, uh, I'm, I'm trying to like ease her into the whole yeah. thing. I'm like, do you know this last name? This is the last name that maybe binds us. After that, it's like radio silence for like maybe about three weeks. Oh. And I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. And I, I guess my role now is to wait to see what she needs. And I have this information now, this knowledge. I've gone through this whole thing now with my son. Am I going to, am I, I don't know this person. What Am I going to be there for this person? And at least in a perfunctory way or like an initial way, like, I don't know. what. So I messaged her and I said, hey, look, if you ever want to talk, this is my number. You feel free to call me. And it's interesting because she calls me and we talk for like maybe an hour and a half and there's all these things in common, right? And when I, she's like, well, tell me about yourself. And she's like, that makes sense. That makes sense. For some reason, she kept saying, that makes sense. Yeah, my brother would do that. Yeah, my brother would do that. And I said, yeah, like, look, um, I said, I want you to know that uh, this is all I know about this man. I said to her, like, I, ha I found a picture of him. I was like, look, I've done all this work so that you don't have to do this work. This is a picture. These are three pictures of him. This is what I know about him. This is what I know about his family. And this is who I have heard he was, both from my mom and from other people. And so she says, uh, she says, well, my, you know, my mom told me a different name. My mom told me a different story. And she's not talking to me right now because she's, She's very upset that I'm oh. even looking into this, right? 
So I'm like, look, I, I understand. And uh, I don't want to, I obviously don't want to cause any problems. So just, if you need me, just call me. Mm. And it goes on like that. Like we talk for a few months at a time, you know, like maybe a month or two will pass and we'll talk on the phone. And then I said to her, I was like, oh, do you, do you want to do a FaceTime call? Because we hadn't even seen each other. I have like three pictures of her to go by. She has like three pictures of me to go by. And in one of them, I'm like four months old. And so we got on FaceTime. It's the weirdest thing. Get on FaceTime. And I'm excited. I told my wife, I'm like, hey, I'm going to get to have a FaceTime call with my half-sister. She goes, oh, that's great. And I go into the office in our house and I call her. And the first thing I notice is that we have like the same facial features like around our eyes. And like she says, our ears are the same. I was like, I never looked at my ears in that way. You know? Um, and then just as abruptly, we're like maybe 30 seconds into a conversation. And she says, you know what? I, I got to, I'm sorry. I, I have to go. And I was like, okay. She was my, my rights here. I got to go. And I went, oh, okay. All right. No worries. And um, I would get messages every once in a while, like maybe every three or four months, like, Hey, hope you're doing well, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden it's like radio silence again. Right. So it's been probably about a year and a half. And every once in a while, I would just send, I would just ping a message out. Hey, hope you're doing well. I hope all is good. Just trying to keep things light. Mm. And, uh, and I, I don't know. I haven't heard from her. So I, I completely get that. It's like so many different feelings. And, um, you know, the first conversation she has, it was, we had, it was like, it was effusive. It was like, you know, I'm always going to be here for you. Um, you know, she was saying like, you know, I will always be here for you. You never have to, you know, all these things that are very like big grand statements. Right. And I'm just like, okay. And, and it's like, I don't have any expectation. I don't have any of those expectations. You know, if anything, I was just trying to be of service. Like, right. I'm just, I don't want you to have to take years or months, months or years to like figure out the basics. I'm just going to give you the basics. All these things are happening. You know, all this, this radio silence is going on. Obviously, it's a weird thing because to let somebody else into your life, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I, I read your newsletter. Um, you're talking about your road trip mm-hmm. and about possibly meeting up with half siblings. And I can't even imagine, like, to me, that sounds super exciting. Um, and, uh, but also like, like, wow, that's heavy, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially like face to face. I can't even imagine. And then, like, the time to drive and think about these things, you know? I'm putting thoughts in your head. You. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I hadn't thought about the drive. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no. I'm, I don't want to ever get in the way. So, like, I, I totally get it. You know, I totally understand. I totally get it. There's, like, no ill will, no ill feelings, because this these things are so convoluted, you know? And I would not be surprised if, like, a year or two down the road, like, other half-siblings reach out. Because I know there's other half-siblings. You know, right. it's like, I I know of them. They supposedly know of me. They're not on any of these sides, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, what can you even say? Yeah. I feel like you, uh, you represent this like futuristic ideal of uh, people already having the information of our community <laughs> so that when people come to you, they, you're like, oh, I know what this is. This is an NPE situation. I will act accordingly. Right. 
And it's okay. It's totally okay that your half sister doesn't realize what a gem she's got in a half brother or like, but um, you know, but it's her, it's her experience. And, but it would be, it would be so wonderful if more and more people knew like you, not because they've gone through it necessarily, but just were more familiar with what was going on with these DNA tests and, and the sort of like probability perspective and you knew how to act. So, so, so you still haven't heard from her in a long time. No, no, I, I haven't. Yeah. Yeah. I may never hear from her, you know, mm -hmm. like uh, the feeling I got was that she, you know, she has another brother and, you know, she talks to him infrequently, you know? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, I have siblings and I'm not always particularly close with them. You know, there's right. disagreements or there's different ways of seeing the world. And so I don't expect that it's going to be like, oh, we're, we're in lockstep now. You know, it's not like right, right. twinsies, you know, it's right. like, it doesn't work that way. It's, you know, you're dealing with, you know, I can, I don't know her background. I don't know how she was raised. I don't know how she sees the world. You know, it's like, I don't know if we share the same worldview. I don't know if that's something that's passed on in DNA. I do not. Right. You know? Yeah. It's there's so many different questions, and especially like even when I hear like I, there was some story. You know, the other thing I was gonna tell you is like it's so good to hear your podcast. I mean, every podcast has its place, right? The tone, the tenor, uh, is really important and because these are such heavy things, and they can be such heavy things. It's so good to be able to have a place where you can have a light conversation about really heavy things. You can joke about things because mm -hmm. it's like uh, I don't know if you ever saw that Joan Rivers documentary. No, I never did. She was in the middle of her bit and she made a joke about like some disease. I don't know what it is. I don't remember what it was. Mm -hmm. And this guy, this heckler stands up and says, hey, man, that's not funny. You can't joke about that. And she said, you have to joke about it because otherwise it kills you. Mm -hmm. that's, how, that's how you beat it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I always remember that because it's like, you know, as seriously as things can be, like I have a finite life. At one point, I will not be here. At one point, this stuff will not matter, you know? So I'm not going to take it that seriously. I'm going to be sensitive to people's feelings. I'm going to be there for myself. Well, and that's the other thing I was going to say is like, I'm glad I went through the time of therapy because I think I needed to be there for myself in order to be there for somebody else. Mm -hmm. Because I can't imagine, you know, it's like spinning two different plates in two different directions at the same time. Yeah, how nice that you had that you could then give the space to your son. Yeah, I'm really lucky. I'm, yeah. I'm really lucky in that I had the resources that I could do mm -hmm. that. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people maybe they don't have access to therapy as easily, although it's more common now. And maybe they're dealing with somebody who is not as informed about these situations, so they can give them a. You know, if you're dealing with a therapist who's never dealt with this stuff, it's a different world. Um, the worlds are different. They just are, you know, the rules that we create for ourselves outside of it are like, those are just the rules that we've created, but no one ever set rules for this kind of stuff because the technology wasn't there before. Right. You know, so like, it's a different world and like, it's a, it's so tough to not be judgmental about it, mm -hmm. uh, especially on the outside, you know, cause it sounds crazy when you're on the outside. At some point it becomes so normalized like i hear other stories and i'm like oh yeah that's a situation where that's about you know or like you mm -hmm. kind of you kind of see it coming you know but it's really good to have a place where you can have a breath of these conversations and it doesn't feel like like you're suffering through it again you know 
because it's a human experience. It's right. it's going to have humor. It's going to have funny things. It's going to have weird things. We're like, I didn't expect that to happen. Mm-hmm. But that's why you know I, I'm really appreciative of the work that you do. I really am. Like it's it's really. I know it's helpful for me. And, um, you know, so I was on one of these secret uh, Facebook groups. It was uh, with, you know, uh, fathers who are dealing with the same situation. And they're all in, it's funny, because some of them are dealing with the situation of they found out they have a child. And, you know, some people are finding out that, you know, they're, everyone's in different situations. Right. And everyone's just trying to help each other. It's like, it's like a little colony of ants just trying to help each other. Mm-hmm. It's funny reading it, but I think it's something different hearing people's stories and their voices mm-hmm. and having a conversation where it's not like, um, it's not exploitative, you know? It's not like doubling down on sorrow. It's just like, it's being what it is, you know? Um, yeah, because this, this thing isn't going to go away. It's not going to go away. You know, especially like I remember there was one episode that you said something like, I think it was at the beginning. You said, I have friends. I don't want I don't misquote you. Friends who, you know, they've decided that they're going to tell this person that this yeah. person is their father. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes sense at a very basic understanding. Yeah. I think like in a, like the rudimentary way, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, this is good. So I'm going to pair this good thing, my chocolate and my peanut butter, right? Yeah. No, it it's um, it absolutely makes sense without technology. I'm not defending it, no. but yeah, yeah. But even apart from that, like once you do that, it's like you set in. Here's like what I was going to say is like you set into motion all these things that are going to have an impact on generations to come. Mm-hmm. Not just the person, you know what I mean? It's like you're going to impact you're going to take the genie out of the bottle. You're going to make some, you're going to make an irrevocable change. You're going to align things that are not necessarily the best. Like if, if the goal is to like make it through the world and to learn about yourself and to, to, to develop and grow and what is it like self-actualize. Right. It's really tough when you have a reset. I, I can imagine, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's like, I have the same questions about my family as well. Like when I think about my, my father's side, I have those same questions, mm-hmm. but like I said, I've been dealing with them since I was a kid. Right. You know, I, I haven't dealt with them since I was an adult. Yeah. That's, a, that's actually a really interesting way to think of it or to describe it is to say, is to like, to experience an identity reset as an adult to have to start over with self-actualization. Yeah. I like that description. And I, you know, it's funny. I had a buddy who he was adopted. He knew he was adopted, never knew his biological parents and, he went through the ancestry situation as well. And he found out that his half sister actually worked in the building across from us. Wow. And, uh, and his family's from the Midwest, you know what I mean? Huh. And, you know, and I, don't, I don't want to tell his story, but like his happened before I was ready to talk to my son. So it mm-hmm. was interesting hearing his perspective on dealing with his, meeting his mother and then like feeling, feeling rejection. Right, know? right. Which is um, huh. like I, I see it now. I understand it. I can totally get it because it's so wrapped up into, it's so wrapped up in the self, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, to the point that, like, you know, my poor son when he was dealing with his grandparents, trying to tell him the situation. That's where you see like all the denial, and you see all the all the stuff that's wrapped up in identity and like mm-hmm. their role as parents and as grandparents and. When it comes down to it, like it has really nothing to do with anybody except the child. 
Right, right. Like me as, as an adult, I'll get over it. You know, it's like, uh-huh. I'm already over it. I'm in a good place. I'm happy. I'm like, my concern is taking care of my family and making sure that I'm there for them and learn how to be the father to a soon to be 30 year old. You know, it's like, that's new to me. <laughs> I don't know right. that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but also like being a father to a three-year-old in 2023. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? You know, it's like, I'm glad to be able to tell the story because I can say to other birth certificate parents that it may seem like it's about you. It's not about you. Like your story is in the past. You know what I mean? It's like, you can go back and deal with it, but your story that you thought is going to be different and you have a heavier responsibility because you signed up to be a guardian. And that means like you're a guardian for life. You know, it's like, I mean, that's my philosophy. I'm sure some people think differently about it. I mean, that was one of the bigger things for me to kind of understand and get over was like all these, it's not about you, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things aren't fair. Yeah. There was lies. Yeah. There was deceit. Yeah. You know, uh, that, relationship should have happened that way you know what i mean that marriage was annulled for a reason but it, it doesn't matter and i'm also i couldn't i those things brought me to this point right mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm, everything is mm-hmm. like a zig and a zag right you know and maybe like i'd be a way different person but it, i kind of like where i'm at right now mm-hmm. you know i don't feel i just want to be like prepared to help you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to have like a clouded, I don't want to look at it through like the prism of me, you know? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, that's, yeah, very evolved. Mm-hmm. It's really tough. I've had time with it. Trust me. Yeah. I think it's so much of it is time. So much of it is time. It's so hard. And it's like people just have to give themselves time, but it really makes a big difference. And at some point, like all this stuff just starts subsiding, you know, and you get to like, there's you know there's parents who are present and they're jerks right right totally <laughs> you, you're not going to escape it you know you're not going to escape difficult things and i mean like for me it's like there's there's really no point in being angry for my son i mean he can feel whatever he feels you know he's he's living through it right you know i'm just i'm just to me it's just a recap in my head mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm not living with it right yeah, my heart goes out to him, of course. Hope he's getting hope he gets and finds all the the kind of support and community he may need. And it's neat that you can offer some knowledge about those things and recognize that it's its own his own journey. Well, you know, you you actually were helpful for him as well because before I told either of them anything, I was like, Oh, I'm listening to this podcast. You guys should check it out. And oh, what is it about? I say, oh, it's about, you know, these situations with MPEs and blah, blah, blah. And my son goes, that's crazy. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> oh, you think it's crazy? Yeah, he you says, have no yeah. idea. <gasps> you have no idea, right? Mm-hmm. He said, uh, I've heard about that stuff. It's like where people try to trap each other and they do these things and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, it is about that. But it's also not about that. You know, it's also about like a whole range of other things that, it it can't ever just be about somebody got trapped, somebody got suckered. So when they heard these stories, and I I did tell them about what was the gentleman's name again? Was it Jason and Miguel? Jason and Jason Miguel. And, Miguel. Yeah. and when I said you've got to listen to this episode, it's really hard. It's really interesting how even going through a tough situation, like these people have found like their core, right? 
they found like their commonality. Yeah, it is inspiring because so often it isn't like that. Yeah, yeah. So often it, it gets really, it can get really messy. So I don't know what to say except like my heart goes out to everybody who is going through this for themselves or for their families. Um, but it's going to be okay. Yeah. It's not like a life or death thing. It really isn't. Like you're here. You made it. You're here. Right. You got right. You're here so far. Yeah, you're so far. You're gonna deal with what is it like they used to say, like, I don't remember how it is. Like they're only strangers to your friends or whatever. And I, like they're only strangers now, right? Right, right. These people are only strangers. Maybe they'll always be strangers, but mm -hmm. like you'll learn more about yourself. You know, you'll I don't want to be Pollyanna about it. I'm just saying like in this in the grand scheme of things, it's gonna be it's gonna be okay. Yeah. It's so it's so hard to have perspective depending on where you are in it, right? Like in the journey, but it would be, it would be, and it would be so wonderful if we could guarantee that everyone will get to that place of it feeling better and having a different perspective. And I, we can have the hope that you do, <laughs> the hope that they do, right? Like keep, keep striving, keep hanging in there. Yeah. Cause I mean, people don't want to have these conversations. Like you always say it's about spit and about mm -hmm. fluids, right? And it is, it's about the messiness of human existence. Right. Um, but People don't want to have those conversations. They don't yeah. want to have, they don't want to know these things. They, they're not ready for these conversations yet, you know, and it, and it goes deeper. Totally goes deeper. It's so much of how, how much, how much we as a, uh, society. Right. Are not good at having difficult conversations. Like I feel like we, we missed that day in class and now everyone is scrambling to face these. Yeah hard times right no and then like as you as you it's almost like digging for wells or whatever mm -hmm. you think you hit bottom and then all of a sudden there's a whole other bottom that you never had expected to be i don't know if that's the right wording i should use but there's a whole thing there that you did not even expect like mm -hmm. i've heard it i've heard it on a couple of your interviews it's interesting no one's really brought it up but you know uh you had you had a couple of interviews where I could hear that the conversation was going towards like mistimed bonding between siblings and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No one talks about that kind of stuff. You know, no one talks about what it is, what it's like that you're supposed to bond with your family since a young age, but now you're being forced to bond as an adult. Or if you want to bond with this person, you know, what does it mean to let somebody else into your life if you already have it formed? And then what does that open up to? Because it's almost like, they are strangers right you know yeah 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 we don't we don't yeah it's so awkward it's so awkward and weird and ver what we want versus what we need versus what we're capable of it's messy yeah and it's like ideally you're in a situation where it's like you're the member of the clan that got lost and now you're back you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's like they didn't know you were around you know and then you you found your way back right yeah and when I hear those stories on your podcast, it's so great. Yeah, you, it's so you know, fun. When you know they I mean? meet, yeah, yeah. When people meet and it's like they were just the missing piece all along and everybody gets along and they their first meeting goes nine hours because they have so much in common and they can't believe it. <laughs> like, right. If only it could be like that for everybody. It really isn't. It, and it's okay. You know, that's the other thing. Right. And like, that's okay, and, too. And it's right. all right. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like if you don't have space for someone, that's all right. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like. 
things take the shape of, you know, there's no right, there's no playbook, you know, like, right, right. there's, there's no way that you can anticipate every single situation with all these different dynamics. And people are uncomfortable having conversations about like the birds and the bees with their kids. So how are mm-hmm. they gonna have a conversation about something that's different you know yeah, it's different. yeah i know to say people different. have people get uncomfortable having the birds and the bees conversations with their partners let alone like right. their kids right yeah um, it's all yeah this is it's just so much more to the world than we were presented yeah and like i can't even and this is where i switch gears and i try to be empathetic about like the mothers who are in this situation because mm-hmm. you can vilify individuals but i think when you vilify and you generalize it, it kind of sets everybody back a little bit yeah. you know it yeah. just brings more shame it brings more judgment it brings more i don't know man it's like yeah hold people accountable and be upset mm-hmm. with people as individuals but it's like everybody has their own story everybody has their own way that they got there and everybody has their reasons for their decisions and i'm sure that they they were doing the best they could right right with the information they could mm-hmm. you know some people are just scammers <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's sure. just the way They're the world is there. be yeah you know some people are borderline personality disorder mm-hmm. and some people mm-hmm. are right you know narcissists and you're going to get that too but you're also yeah. going to get somebody who's in a tough situation who thinks they're doing the right thing or that doesn't know that they're not doing the right thing you know that's true too so so i don't know case by case basis well thank you so much ivan for coming on here and talking with me and sharing your story and for just and also for just kind of like being a righteous dude out there in a world where there are so many who are not there's so many uh i mean because i'm reading about them every day in in the in the support groups and i'm hearing about them on the podcast and i and i'm meeting these people in person where people like you in your position birth certificate fathers are not handling it the way you handled it or are handling it so i i wish there were more there, pro- there probably are some great, great birth certificate fathers out there. In fact, I know there are. I know, I know a lot. I know some of them. I've heard those stories too. But it's just nice and and inspiring to hear to hear a story of someone handling it the way you have. And of course, also, my heart goes out to your son and him figuring it out, and your sister who's on her, your half sister who's on her journey, her NPE journey. Well, thanks, Eve. Yeah, no, this this actually this is a big part of closure and healing for me too because it's almost like there's got to be a reason for all this stuff that for me to i can't just hoard the information to myself or the experience to myself mm-hmm. in some ways it's like that's the way we learn from each other you know that's how as a community you can kind of help each other and, and be there for one another you know it's like if there's somebody else that's going through the same situation and they're just finding out about this and they don't know where to turn because it's there aren't, I mean, when I was going through at the beginning, there were not any resources. Right. So um, to just throw a little pebble in there to do one little part, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's really helpful. So I'm really glad and I'm really uh, thankful for you for having this platform and for making the time and balancing all these different things, including your own journey, because it is a journey, you know? So like hats off to Eve, because it isn't easy, man. And man, this is such a cool show. Oh, and thank you. It's such a good place. Yeah, seriously. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so grateful that Ivan told his story and that he's come into my life. It was kind of hard for me. And maybe you could tell 
of struggling to not say things like, wow, your son must be so grateful for you. Or I hope your son knows how lucky he is to have you. Because I had those thoughts, but but I really want Ivan's son to have his own experience like in our community. And I want him to have the freedom to navigate his journey his own way. I don't want to tell people when and where and how they should be grateful or appreciate, you know, see how lucky they are. I think everyone is resistant to that, to that idea, being told how and when to feel. But I'm also learning like more of how much of a trigger language that can be for, especially for adoptees. And I'm just seeing how it can feel so forced and grossed for people in all sorts of situations and dynamics. So, you know, so I guess I just have to focus on my own experience with Ivan and not project my shit onto anyone else. I am grateful for people like Ivan. It's just been a note here or there over the years, but his support means so much to me. Otherwise, otherwise behind the microphone can be kind of lonely. And you know, I was talking with my friend Don Anderson tonight. Uh, He has a podcast called Missing Pieces and PE Life. It's fantastic. Definitely go listen to it. So Don and I were texting a little tonight because he posted something on his social media about a review he got. And the review was not very nice. And I happened to notice that it was written by the same person that recently gave me a bad review. So that was funny that this person doesn't like either of us or our podcasts and felt like taking the time to write about it publicly. Uh, So we were laughing and texting back and forth about it. But the more that we chatted about it, I have to be honest, the more anxious I became because this person states in the review that they are an NPE, like they're a part of this community. And I know that I make a lot of jokes about leaving me a review no matter what, if it's bad or good, you know, or let me know what you think. You could be honest. But I have to say, I don't know. I don't, well, I guess I just want to remind you all that we are human. Like I am a real person with feelings and so is Don Anderson. <laughs> um, I put on a brave face but I am just as vulnerable as anyone else. Insults hurt worse and last longer than compliments. I wish that wasn't true, but that is the way I'm built. I know I'm not alone in that. I'm sure there are people out there that relate. Anyway, it's for these reasons, I'm thankful for friends like Dawn. And the point, the point, the whole point of all this, the reason I'm bringing this all up is because it makes me extra grateful for listeners like Ivan, who take one minute out of their life to shoot me notes of encouragement every once in a while. So that's just to say, uh, if you know someone who's working on a project out there, say something nice. You don't have to lie. I'm not, I'm not about that, but a friendly note can go a long, long way. And if you don't know anyone else except me, well, I guess you could shoot that note in my direction uh, and it would be better even in the form of a review. And if you really feel like you have to write something unkind, okay, I'll take those reviews too. (laughs) Like I'm here. I signed up for this. I know that. But to the supporters today, I say thank you. Really, really. I really mean it. If you're someone who has the process journal called Who Even Am I Anymore? 
you could go over to Amazon and review that too, uh, or review that instead of the podcast, one or the other. You could do both. No pressure. This is the first process journal of its kind for our community. I designed it with open-ended questions to help people like me, probably like you, think through and process their DNA discovery experience in a way that I hope feels guided and contained. You can work on it alone. You can work on it in a group. You can work on it with me. I tried to make there be a lot of options, but you could start by finding it on Amazon or my website, everythingsrelativepodcast.com. By the time this episode hits the podcast platforms, I'll already be all the way in Petaluma, California. That's my hometown, folks. It's a little bit easier to spend summer there than in Los Angeles, although it means that uh, I'm recording episodes from my childhood bedroom, which is all sorts of layered, as you can imagine. (laughs) But anyway, I hope you are getting whatever you need to make your summer feel a little easier if it's hard. I hope you're getting what you need to make summer feel slower if it's fast, cooler if it's hot. Eat some watermelon. Stop at the lemonade stands. Run through the sprinklers. And hey, thanks for listening and sharing this podcast. I'm Eve Sturgis. This is Everything's Relative. Bye-bye. Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis is produced by Eve Sturgis and Kaylin Egan and edited by Joy Rumor. Logo designed by Ivy McNally and music is used with permission from Goodbye the Band. Eve is a licensed psychotherapist, but her podcast episodes are not therapy sessions. Mm-hmm.